<laughs> Welcome to Bloom Living. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, former rock musician turned financial strategist, sharing amazing ideas from amazing people looking to up the game of life whenever we can. Hi there. Welcome to today's show. I am your host, Thomas DeShooter, the Bloom Living Podcast. And as usual, to our regular guests and anybody joining us for the first time, we really thank you tuning in and listening to the show. If you have a chance, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumbs up. We would really appreciate that. It certainly helps us grow our awareness in the world. And again, thank you. We couldn't do this show without our regular listeners and all those joining us for the first time amazing guest today, Dr. Hector Martinez, the author of Hector Finds Happiness. I love the title of that book and I briefly met Dr. Martinez in New York and when I heard the title of his book and Leslie was the same, we both just looked at each other and said, that's, that's so awesome and he was such a happy guy. Like he, he really lived into the title of his book, Hector Finds Happiness. We have him coming up on the show a little bit later. First though, the top of my head, there's been something I've, uh, I've been ruminating on a little bit or thinking about a lot lately, and that is the idea of chasing life or life, you know, getting away from me or, or if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen for me or uh, somebody else is doing this and this is the big one, somebody else is doing this and they're doing it better than me and uh, I should just give up what I'm doing. You know, I know as a musician, there were times when I wasn't you know, on top of my mindset, like I am today, where I looked at other musicians, and I was almost jealous of their playing to the point where I, I'll be honest, where I wished that they, you know, that they weren't very good. And I was living in a competitive world. And under, you know, thinking that the best thing for me was to compete with all these people, when in actuality, the only person I'm ever really competing with is myself, is my own ability to move myself forward, my own ability to, to push on and find the better me. I guess, that, you know, that's the best way I can put it in this moment is to find the better Thomas out there. And so I heard this thing and it really struck me. You are not chasing anything that is already possessed by someone else. Like there's nothing that I need to chase after that somebody else has. And if I think of that, as I thought about it, actually, with creativity, my own creative juice, my own creative flow is going to be much different than anybody else's. And so there's no need for me to look and chase after what somebody else has or compete with them. There is the opportunity to learn from somebody else. Absolutely. That is, without question, a, a possibility in everybody's life. And I know that I have taken a lot of what I say today and what I think today from other people. And I've been able to take those thoughts, those ideas from others and expand on them myself and force my own creativity out that then shows up differently than what somebody else would do or present something differently than the way somebody else might present it. And that is really the gift. When we can find our own creative flow and truly trust that that is what we're here to do, to truly believe that there's nothing out there that somebody else is doing that I need to have or be doing. Remember, I am not chasing anything that is already possessed by somebody else. And you could take that down to any area of your life 
And if you really, really own that, you'll see that the beauty is you. The beauty is your own ability to do what you do. You are the perfect rendition of yourself. There's nobody that does you better. And so when I think about that in my own terms, there's nobody that does Thomas better than Thomas, the shooter, then there is nothing out there that I'm chasing. The only thing that I have found that serves me today is to find the better me, to find how far can I push myself? How much can I load up on things that I want to accomplish and get them done? And then, you know, in that creative world, when we're in that creative mode, what I truly love is time just moves. There, there is no time. It's, it's like it doesn't exist. And it's only when I'm slogging through the day or doing something that I'm not attached to, that I don't really feel creative about, that it sort of feels like I'm suffering upon doing something, that's when time slows down and I become aware of time. And, it's, and, and then there's that whole conversation that comes around, ah, there's not enough time in the day and I'm running out of time and all of that stress that comes along. Whereas when I'm in that creative flow, and maybe you've seen this for yourself, maybe this is something you've actually noticed is when you're in that creative flow, when you're truly living your life in that state, time just disappears. There is no time. So again, you are not chasing anything that is already possessed by someone else. Okay, let's turn our attention to today's guest. Dr. Martinez is the author of Hector Finds Happiness, his book about transforming his life from being inaccurately diagnosed as mentally retarded in childhood to becoming a Bollywood actor in India. He saved a man from execution and is now a therapist teaching meditation to children and adults who suffer with severe mental illness such as schizophrenia. He is an entrepreneur and mindfulness expert bringing to the world his course Mental Health First Aid that teaches anyone how to talk to someone who is experienced excuse me, who is experiencing a mental health crisis. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Hector Martinez. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited to for today's show. I remember meeting you back in, I gosh, September in New York yes. uh, at the uh, Publicity Summit with my wife, Leslie, and both of us walked away because of the title of your book, which was Hector Finds Happiness. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. There's that beautiful laugh and smile that Leslie and I were just like, like you actually exude the title of your book. That's so cool. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot of things, uh, obviously, the, 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 the piece about, uh, you know, saving a man in Uganda from execution, I want to talk to at some point. But let's, let's start with, you know, your childhood, you were inaccurately diagnosed, and then you came about finding happiness. And, and maybe just share with us a little bit about that, that particular journey. You know, how did you go from that kid, if you will, to to being, you know, the man you are today where you were able to overcome whatever it was that was going on and find happiness? It's been a long journey and it started off with uh, essentially a difficult childhood uh, compounded by many different things that 
led to um, low self-esteem, uh, episode of depression where I thought I had, I really was in a dark place and I wasn't sure how to get out of it. And I felt stuck for a long time and a lot of self-doubt. And I realized uh, through, through meditation and through disciplining my mind um, that I was able to detach myself from my thoughts and feelings. <laughs> and I think that was the, the big, uh, not that it was any one moment, but that was when I started realizing that I don't have to be attached to my thoughts and feelings, uh, whether they be negative or positive or happy or sad or whatever they are. And I started to realize, oh, I started to feel confident for the first time probably about uh, um, later after I started learning this. And um, I started doing yoga. I started being healthy. I started eating better. I started taking better care of myself. And then it became like this uh, effect, snowball effect of things just getting better and better. And it was pretty amazing. So thank you for that. And, and it triggers some questions for me. I, I mean, I am a bit of a mindfulness junkie. Uh, so I talk a lot on this show and I have another show called Conscious Cash where I talk a lot about mindfulness and, and our own perception and, and how we can move ourselves forward and take ownership of our life. Of our life. And so, you know, when I hear someone say low self-esteem or, and I love the way you put it of, of that you're not your thoughts and feelings. How is there a simplified way for somebody to begin the process of understanding that those things are going to happen, those thoughts and feelings are going to come up, and you're not those thoughts and feelings, and here's a way to move past them? Yeah, and I do this a lot with, with my, I continue to do it with myself and with my clients. Um, and it's kind of just thinking of your thoughts and your feelings like the wind. And so they come and go. They don't belong to me. I might, ha I might wake up in the morning with the thought, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that or I, I like this or I don't like that. That's just a thought that comes up. And it, but it doesn't belong to me. It, it just came to me. Now, I can hold on to it or I can try to spend the rest of my day with that one thought, but, or I can just let it go the way I would with the wind and, or a feeling. I have a feeling. Um, I don't own it. It's not mine. It came to me. And um, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad, but they don't belong. Like, and so that idea that they don't, these, they don't belong to me and um, they can go, come and go. And it, that, gives me the confidence of like, oh, I can just go through, uh, go through the day and not have to um, be a slave to these thoughts and feelings that we get attached to. I mean, we get attached to them and right. especially the good ones. <laughs> I mean, so, you, yeah. So, I, so what I hear you saying is, 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 is not taking ownership of them. Like they have to drive the bus. Like they're, we can just let them, 
slide. And, and so I have an analogy that I, I want to share with you that uh, I, I think is along the same line. And just let, let me know if, if this is what you're talking about. So uh, I'm a bit of a fan of Alan Watts who was around in the 60s and a bit of a guru. And I had a meditation, you know, when I started meditation, I listened to him. Uh, I stumbled upon just a 14-minute meditation of his. And this is how he defined the thoughts, is that they're like you're looking out your window and it's a car driving by. And you can just let the car drive by and then the next car comes along and you can follow it past the window and just let it go by and you don't have to follow the car all the way down the hill and down the block into the next road you can just let them flow is that what is that what we're talking about yeah that i like that i get that that makes sense yeah and it's it's kind of like our our that thought is our little window into the outer world or inner world whichever way we're looking and and we can just allow it to pass by and that for me when i started meditating really helped me to understand that it's it's not about quieting the mind so much as it's as it's about not ruminating on a particular thought or getting caught up in you know just running something over and over and over and i love what you said whether it's good or bad. So talk to, let's talk a little bit about the good thoughts that we can get stuck on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's, what's great is you, we can create a thought or a feeling that we are empowered by that makes sense. Uh, and that you could be committed to that as opposed to, uh, so I, uh, when I started doing this, the meditation, I, I did a, a really cool exercise where I, um, I found out what am I committed to? What are the thoughts that I I'm creating a new self, not this old self of, Oh, I, I don't believe in myself. I'm not good enough. All of that. So I created the, a new thought that I am a powerful and compassionate man who lives a life of integrity. And I created that. I, I, I didn't feel that at the time. I didn't feel I was that. However, I created it and then I started living into it. I'm like, and I asked myself, I'm like, am I being compassionate right now? Am I having integrity? Am I having power in this moment? And then I would say, oh, well, what would it take for me to have that or to do that? So that's, that's been um, an ongoing thing now, a thought <laughs> that I've created for myself in my life that, okay, this is who I'm creating myself to be. And then you uh, start living into it and things start happening. And whenever I'm out of it, I'm like, oh, that's right. I got to get back to that. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I have uh, a group of men that uh, I have a commitment with and we, we meet on a weekly basis. It's called Being Man. And there's, uh, there's, a, there's several groups around the world. We're usually six or seven in a group. And this is now gosh, over four years I've been with these, with these men and we create an I am statement every morning and we share it with each other on WhatsApp and then we acknowledge each other as yes, you are, that, that we see you as that as well. Like not only do you see yourself as, and I love the way you put it, I am a powerful and compassionate, right? Like the I am. And then I agree with you, there's days you just don't feel that way 
And it's something you can, it's like an anchor you can hang on to, right? It, it can anchor you in the day and you can get back to it. Yeah. And the, I, and the mindfulness part that I add to it is the self-compassion. So uh, I, there's nothing, I'm not, I'm not feeling that right now, but, and instead of putting myself down about it, I can be like, well, that's all right. I, I'm not feeling it right now, but I can go back to it like an anchor. I can constantly just keep going back to it. Like the, like the meditation where it's like, Oh, I can just, there it is. And there it is. And it, uh, it's always there. Right. And, uh, curious when you say the words self-compassion, is this, are we talking about self-love as well in that? Or are, do you separate those as, as separate things? For me, it's the self-compassion is more around, uh, I took a training through, uh, Stanford University and the Dalai Lama for uh, medical professionals that deal with uh, clients and patients with chronic illness and so there's there it's uh, so I, I did this training and that's where I got that concept from and uh, it's the idea that it's just these um, non-judgmental looking at yourself so it's not necessarily there. The love does come, but it's more about, let's say we do have these uh, sad thoughts or whatever thought you have um, that we don't like or that we don't want to think about or things we want don't want to think about or talk about. Uh, we can come from a place of self-compassion and non-judgment. And so I've had this thought. I've experienced this but I don't have to judge it. I don't have to be, this is right or wrong. This should be or should not be happening. Um, Cause once you start uh, the, the, the things we don't want to talk about, we don't want to look at, we start avoiding them and then they're, but they're still there. And so it's how do we look at things that, that we don't really want to look at or that we don't really want to see, or we don't want to deal with. And um, that gives you a way of like, okay, I can just get it from a non-judgmental place, not right or wrong, but just this is what it is. So it's the, uh, if I were to put this in Thomas terms, it would be just being with it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, it's Thomas here. Thanks so much for listening to the Bloom Living Podcast. We'll be right back with our guest after a word from our sponsors. Do you feel uneasy visiting a bank? Do you struggle to sit through a meeting with your financial advisor and leave having not fully understood what they were talking about? Are you blindly trusting that somebody else understands this better than you? Call Thomas the Shooter and the team at Bloom Strategies to create your financial future. Together, you will break down the game of money so that you win. Learn how to take control of your finances and make decisions based on your core values that put you in the driver's seat of your financial life. No more thinking that you don't get it. No more financial statements left unopened and no more feeling like you are stuck in a world of scarcity. Join the conversation on Facebook at Bloom Strategies or go to bloomstrategies.com today. That's B-L-O-O-M strategies.com. Hey, welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Bloom Living Podcast and now back to today's guest. Before being an intern in my 
program, I worked uh, at the children's hospital with uh, kids with cancer and uh, terminal illness. And I had one particular child that I was working with who um, I walked into the room and he was passing away and his father was there. Um, and basically the chaplain and the doctor were there to kind of pull the plug. And the dad, uh, my he was my, I know I was doing therapy for him and uh, he was losing it. He was completely losing it mentally and emotionally. And so I had to stand there and be grounded and be there for him. Uh, but then later over time, I started to get depressed because I'm, I'm kind of like an empathic person and I started to take that on. And, and I started, I, I, uh, I used to be, I used to compete in triathlons and do yoga and I couldn't even run around the block. Like I fell down on, I, when I would try to run, I couldn't even, I stopped running. I stopped uh, exercising. I stopped. I stopped doing all these things, which of course compounded it, made it worse. And then over time, and then I started isolating, not talking to people, and just being into myself. Not, uh, and I realized, and then I started to have really dark thoughts. And I was like, "Wow, this is uh, not who I thought I was." <laughs> and uh, and that's when I realized I need to get back. I need to get back to who I knew myself to be. And so that was like a depressive episode that I went through where it was like, um, I mean, it just started to take over everything, my mm-hmm. feelings, my thoughts, everything. And uh, the problem is sometimes it feels hopeless. Like it's never going to, uh, there's no end to it. It just feels like an eternity. And uh, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. There is, but in the moment you feel, you get consumed by that feeling. And that's my, it's different for different people, but that's kind of how I experienced it. Right. So, and off the top, you were saying like, there's, it's like a similar theme. It's just a different experience for everybody, obviously. Yeah. 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 Some people I've seen that it's a more chronic low grade kind of thing where they've had it their whole lives. It never gets really severe, but it's just this chronic low grade where you know, it's uh, low motivation, or um, or it can get really severe, mm. and then or it can be reoccurring over and over again. Right. Thank and, you for uh, sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in on that, uh, you mentioned meditation as being, uh, I guess, a tool that you've used to help you with that. So talk to me a little bit about your practice. What is it, you know, how often do you uh, meditate? Do you recommend to clients how often they should meditate? Let's talk a little bit about how that looks. Yeah, I I go from the self-compassion point of view and that um, meaning there's no right or wrong way to do it because a lot of people get trapped with that. And I, I, uh, I teach uh, meditation and people just get so stuck on that. Oh, what's the right way? I'm doing yeah. it. I'm not or... doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's funny is there is no right way. There is no wrong way. Um, the one way is just to keep doing it. And, um, if you like, I on average I meditate anywhere from five to seven days a week, sometimes the whole week. But then there'll be a week where I don't meditate on the weekends. But I'll do other meditative things 
Um, I'm uh, practicing the cello, and so I, I've taken that on. It's like a meditation for me. And I'm now leading um, a music therapy meditation course for people. So really, it could even be doing the dishes. You can put yourself in a meditative state while doing the dishes. So, or you can just do the traditional sit down and uh, silence, and you can start at 30 seconds. You can time yourself. I, do, I teach kids too, and it's super fun with kids because they're, you know, I have this, uh, a lot of kids with a lot of, my kids have behavior, severe behavioral problems. I have one kid who was very severe, and um, I've been with him for a year now, and he's meditating now. And uh, he, he tur we turned it into a game. Uh, let's, let's see how long. I'm gonna time you. Let's see how long you can sit here <laughs> and not move. And he's like, really, that's a game? I'm like, yeah. So however, I mean, there's no right way, no wrong way. Um, it's just keep trying, keep what, see what works for you. Yeah, well, and that's why they, they call it a practice. And you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just expand on what you said around the cello, because for me, I was a musician, and I, I guess I still am, technically a musician. I just don't play for a profession any longer. But as a musician, you know, as I took on meditation and I meditate daily and I have for a couple of years now, uh, when I, I, I have been able to connect it back to, oh, I know this, I know this feeling because when I was writing and creating music and, and, you know, making records and touring, there were times that I know I was, I was gone. Like I was not on this plane. I had no sense of time. It was just life is going by and I'm in this moment and I'm loving it. And, you know, I am certain now that my years of uh, from, you know, I was I was bullied in elementary school and I know that my drums, my solace of having my time with my drums every day after school saved me. They were my connection to myself and allowed me to just go home after school without getting beat up and just play on my drums. And if I'm all, you know, if I'm completely honest, I would picture the people that were after me on the heads of my drums and I would pound and I would pound them. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> So I get that. I get how, how playing music and I love what you said, doing the dishes. Yeah. Like when I mow the, I have a, I have a, a small acre, an acre and a quarter. When I mow the lawn on my tractor, I have my music on and it's really a sunny afternoon with me just like putting along on my lawnmower, listening to music and not, you know, just being completely out of it really. So I think it's awesome. This is, this is great for people. They need to know that, that, anything meditation can happen in any moment yeah it really can and it's um kind of like what you're saying being in the moment and it really uh the grounding they call it grounding for a reason it's like how do i get back in this moment and it's through training your, your mind and um, it can be with anything and it doesn't have to be like oh i've done it wrong or i'm not i, I remember one guy he kept on saying um yeah, it just doesn't work for me. And I'm like, oh, really? Why doesn't it work for me? It's because, well, I just, you know, I keep having these thoughts. 
<laughs> I'm like, um, well, <laughs> that's that's the whole point. Yeah. I think because people also think, uh, oh, it's um, it's I'm supposed to put myself in a happy place. Like, oh, meditation's all about being in a happy place. I'm like, well, not not exactly. Um, uh, you end up getting there, but not from the intention of going there. It's kind of like a catch twenty two. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny how people like once you say to yourself, "Oh, I'm going to meditate so I can be happy," and then you just focus on, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be happy, I'm gonna be happy." Then it kind of does a, it it doesn't work as much. Right. It's it's letting go part. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's, there's no attachment, and it and it really is about not attaching to anything, including the thoughts that are coming up. And you know, <laughs> I have tried to shut off my mind; it doesn't work. <laughs> there, <laughs> the self talk is there way faster than I can even stop it. So you know, forget the, that that that's not going to happen. I'm curious uh, about your story of saving a man from execution in Uganda. Yes, uh, at the time I, uh, where I was working, I have a coworker who's from Uganda, and uh, he came to me one day and said, uh, I have a friend um, who is in prison, and he was tortured in Uganda for being gay, and he's going to be executed, or if he gets released, he'll be executed uh, for being gay in Uganda, and uh, I remember just thinking, okay, so why are you coming to me for this? Why, why do you want me to help? And he's like, well, uh, you seem like a powerful and compassionate man. <laughs> and he actually said that, which it blew my mind because it was about um, a month before that I had created that possibility for myself, that I was going to be a powerful and compassionate man who lived a life of integrity. Oh, so... I'm curious, was that, did he plant that thought in you or was that already how you all, oh, that's crazy. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I, a month before I had created that. Oh, sorry. So there it is. Okay. So a month before you created that I am and now he saw you as that. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. And I was like, how this is just as, this is out there. And um, I was, cause in the past, I know if before that I would have been like, yeah, uh, why are you coming to me for this? I can't help. And so I did, I, I said, okay, let me see. Um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I had no idea what I was going to do. And um, I looked into it and uh, did all the research and it took a, about a year. Uh, but I raised uh, a bunch of money. This guy had been tortured. Uh, he had been tied to a tree and was burned and uh, he was going to be executed. And um, so it was a long story, but um, I raised uh, $10,000 to get him out. I kind of worked, uh, advocated for him legally. Um, and now he's a musician actually and doing well in life. And uh, I was like, wow, I, it just... Uh, I, I knocked on all kinds of doors and I did all kinds of things that I didn't even know were possible. And so I just, that was that whole idea that, oh, what would a powerful and compassionate man do in this moment? And I kept saying to myself, or keep, I kept telling myself that. 
and then it just kind of uh let you know it just kind of it happened and it was uh yeah that that i that part is just like i i do believe that you start the world start seeing you as what you see yourself as right it starts happening and i'm just like whoa <laughs> that's cool so uh that's a great point the world starts seeing you as you see yourself as yes. and and i want to talk a little bit about this and i'll bring it back to my being man group and surrounding yourself with people that will see you for how you want to see yourself versus the naysayers that say, oh, you can't do that. You'll never make it. That'll never work. You know, my being man group, anytime I've gone to them and said, hey, I'm doing this. This is who I am, you know, going to be. This is what I'm up to. It's full on support. There is no, you'll never make it. You'll never succeed. There's no naysayers. They see me as exactly as I state myself to be. How important would you put on on that methodology or that that surrounding yourself with others that support you? That's yeah, that's huge and critical, and I would put that at way at the top. And um, I, I, for a couple of years now, I've completely transformed my life in that similar ways. I I don't watch television. Uh, I don't watch certain things and. I don't expose myself to, so yeah, I totally agree. You become, you, we get affect, we get uh, affected by these negative, uh, constantly we're surrounded by, life is, we're surrounded by, by the negativity. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's huge that in your, uh, the time that you, um, you can control that. You can say, Hey, I'm only going to surround myself with positivity and empowerment and lifting up because you have to, uh, condition yourself to, to be that way. It's, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know from my own experience that, uh, you know, I carry a lot of doubt as to how things are going to work out. You know, it, it, it takes something for me to show up and do a show to do the podcast to start another podcast was like, who's going to listen? Nobody cares. Like, uh, what am I doing? This is just stupid. All of those things come up for me. And, you know, to your point, compassion for self and self-love has been the starting point for me. And then like yourself, uh, you know, I don't have cable television in the house and, you know, my entertainment is watching ice hockey really and listening to my favorite band. Uh, and outside of that, it's a lot of reading. It's, it's meeting people such as yourself. It's hanging out with people that inspire me and, and allow me to, to, you know, show up as the best Thomas that I can be. That's, that's huge. That's, that's exactly how it is. And it's, it, it's actually kind of cool because you, uh, it puts you in control. And you're like, oh, I, I can, uh, I can really uh, create and design. You can create the and design the life you want. Mm, yes, we are, we are creators, right? Yes, <laughs> and it's exciting, 
And uh, I totally get that when those those doubts come in and you're like, but then, um, and that's why the reminders, it's like, ah, yes. And then um, things start happening and it's pretty amazing. Yeah, like I'll be honest, you know, the, the showing up in New York for the uh, the publicity summit, and that wasn't anything that Leslie and I were looking to do. It just kind of landed in our lap, right? And the people that we've met, such as yourself, from that have been exceptional and have, you know, moved our show forward and have, you know, done other things in the world of self-confidence and the, the thinking like, oh, I can, you know, I do have something to say or, or we do have something to share. We can create value in the world. I'm, I want to take this to your book now. Uh, you know, what, in somebody reading your book, Hector Finds Happiness, what are they going to take away from that, do you think? Uh, two things. One, um, this idea of what happiness means for them. And uh, I, I lay that out that it's not, it's partial uh, the common things, but one, what does happiness mean for you and how do you define that for yourself? And I give examples from my personal life, but translatable to anybody. And, uh, cause what happiness means for me might not mean for you, but, but then the, uh, psychological research does show that there's some, uh, basic kind of commonalities that if you maintain uh, this minimum threshold of things in your life, then you are more likely to have uh, a better life. And it really revolves around being optimistic. And so my whole thing is optimism, uh, happiness translated to optimism. And so what does optimism mean? And uh, it, because uh, sometimes it's not, it doesn't work and people are like uh yeah and i realized half of the things that most of the things i've accomplished were unrealistic and they shouldn't have happened they only happened because i was being overly optimistic and so i had this positive like yeah it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and uh, even though like you said people were kept on telling me it's not yo yeah where are you gonna get the money where are you gonna where is like no, you can't do that. Or you don't even know how to do that. What are you doing? <laughs> so, but that's my thing is just optimism and how to develop that. Right. That's great. Well, you know, that's faith, right? That's having the faith and the courage. Uh, you know, when all things around you are burning and falling apart, it's having the faith and the courage to, to keep, you know, to keep going on. And uh, I love what you said, the optimism, because <laughs> Uh, I don't think many people know this. The people that don't know me that well won't know this about me, but anytime I do anything, I always think it's going to be unbelievable. <laughs> and then, it, you know, nobody shows up to an event or nothing gets listened to or there's no views or whatever. And then I just chalk it up as like, ah, well, they just didn't get it. <laughs> like, it's no big deal. The next thing will be really awesome, I'm sure, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I am the eternal optimist. Hey, uh, what was this stint as a Bollywood actor in India? Oh, that was, uh, that was another amazing thing that uh, I've uh, kind of lived my life in a very unconventional way. But one of them was uh, I decided to take some time off and just move or uh, move to India without zero agenda and not having any purpose. 
And uh, the very first day I was there in Mumbai, um, I was at a cafe, a cafe um, and a woman comes up to me and says, do you want to be in the movies? And um, I said, sure. And uh, I was with a friend that happened to be there and she was like, um, wow, that, that's weird. I wonder if it's a scam, but I, I did it. I met them the next day and it turns out it was real. She was a, a talent agent for one of the um, movie studios in, in India. And uh, I ended up just doing that. And uh, I got a job and I became an actor in a movie called Roshni and I had a couple lines and, um, but, <laughs> and I, I was in a, 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 different, a, a different movie and um, it was amazing because I had zero acting ability, zero acting experience and that's not what I went to India for. And uh, it was pretty cool because uh, it was very different than it is here, I'm sure. They're, uh, they don't have uh, the labor laws. So, and uh, the, the producers and the, were treating me like, I'm sure they don't, people don't get treated. Uh, <laughs> I was getting yelled at a lot because I had no acting skills. And right. So producer was just like, uh, give me more face. I need this. I need that. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And, but it was so much fun. It was like an, an adventure of a lifetime that I, who would have, I actually said to myself, I'm going to India for no reason. And I ended up becoming an actor. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I, my wife's an actress. She's a very talented, uh, a very talented lady. And we met working on film sets in Vancouver and uh, I, you know, I'm, I mostly worked on the crew side of things and I ended up getting acting roles. And, you know, I actually acted, I actually did a scene with Morgan Freeman. So I, if oh, nothing wow. else in the world, I can, you know, I can go to my deathbed with that as a, yeah, it ended up on the cutting room floor. So it didn't get, it didn't end up in the movie because they rewrote the end of the movie. However, I got to, I got to experience that. The funny thing for me was, like yourself, I had no acting training, and so I hated it. I was always, you know, I remember the last role I ever, I ever received or I ever booked was on a TV show called Da Vinci's Inquest here, and it was with the lead actor from the show, the Da Vinci himself, and it was sort of a walk and talk, and I had, I think, seven or eight lines with him, and I remember going to my car in the morning to drive to set, and I was, I felt awful. I was terrified. Like, cause like you're you know, like yourself, I was thinking if the director says to me, you know, can you give us a little more of whatever? It's like, dude, what you just saw, like, that's it, man. That's, that's the, <laughs> that's all there is. There's no, there's no quiver of arrows here for me to draw from. What you just saw is pretty much what you're going to get. Yeah. And, and that was the last time I acted cause I couldn't handle the stress of not being prepared. You know, when I played music, I knew my craft. I knew what I was doing. I could walk into a situation and know that I could rely on my ability to play. In that situation, it was not the same. Yeah, I totally get that. And I have so much, I have way more respect for actors now. And I'm just like, how, how does that happen? It's, it's amazing. 
There, you know, the great actors that really take on a role and portray something are brilliant. Like they're, they're, they are showing us the human condition and, and allowing themselves to be something within them that, uh, yeah, they're, they're genius. They're the great actors in this world that have come and gone or, and are still here are actual genius people in my view. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so Hector, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about, before we sign off here, let's talk a little bit about your mental health first aid course. And I love this, that teaches anyone how to talk to someone who is experiencing a mental health crisis. Yeah, I'm very excited about that for a couple of reasons. One is I, it's CPR, uh, how to think of it is it's CPR for mental health. So if you've ever taken a CPR class, it teaches you how to, uh, save somebody that's had a heart attack or some or is choking. This is for mental health. Action plan. It teaches you an action plan. Let's say you meet somebody who's uh, having a panic attack or is stressed out or is depressed, um, even suicidal. It gives you an action plan on how to uh, treat, how to how to handle that. And uh, I'm also excited about it because the message behind it is that recovery is possible. And that's something that doesn't get said uh, in the medical field or in psychology. A lot of people report that um, they're not given a lot of hope that recovery is possible. They're just told everything that's wrong with them. Uh, the third reason is I've been doing it since 2010 as an entrepreneur and um, it's kind of a side thing and so it's exciting because I I get to promote this in my own way and um, recently I've got a I taught at an insurance company to 300 employees and that was super fun they hired me to train their employees and so I market that and I tell people about it and so it's kind of two it's it's for me I'm excited because I make money and I uh, promote a very positive, up, uplifting message that um, anybody can learn. And um, people are, people that take the course report having better mental health and um, the fear of how to talk to someone that's really depressed. Mm. And, uh, and it's, it's a very simple message, very simple um, action plan. It, it doesn't, you don't, anybody can take it and anybody can learn it. Right. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's not, Hey, you've now become a psychologist. Exactly. It's you just that yeah. you can have an action step to get through, to get them, you know, to the place where they can get the help they need. Is that, is, is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's the idea is that you help them until either the crisis resolves or until they get help. Right. And so that's, that's exactly it. Um, you don't have to be the, you're just you're just connecting them. Yeah, just maybe coming in in that moment to to prevent, hopefully prevent something tragic. Yes, exactly. And right. There's a version for uh, adults working with kids, so like especially adolescents. So if you're a parent or a teacher, and um, especially for parents, have a really hard time with especially drug problems or alcohol problems or depression or suicide, they don't know how to talk to their kids about it or they don't talk to their kids about it. Or um, so this gives them an action plan on how to talk to their kids about the same kind of issues. 
That's beautiful. Where will they find, where can they find this? Uh, you can uh, go to mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Um, that's uh, nationwide. Uh, if you're in LA, you can go to hectorfindshappiness.com and uh, you can go to me in LA or nationwide mentalhealthfirstaid.org. Well, Dr. Hector Martinez, thank you so much for joining me today on the Bloom Living Podcast. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was uh, super fun. Yeah, it was. And I, I, I learned a lot. And, uh, you know, part of the reason I do the show is selfish reasons that I get to learn uh, and expand my own uh, intelligence, my own experience of life. And so thank you so much for adding to that today. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. All right. I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yes, me too. A huge thanks to today's guest and to you for being a part of the show. Now, if any of the ideas or stories did strike a chord with you, then I'd be honored if you would just take a quick moment to do a couple of things. One, if something in particular did resonate with you and you feel like it would make a difference in the lives of others, then please go ahead and share this through your social media channels. We'd like that very much. And two, if you are feeling compelled to join in on our ever-growing Bloom Living conversation, then hit the subscribe button and we'll show up every time there is a new episode available. You know, it's not only my goal, but it's the goal of our entire Bloom Living team and community to be the very change that we want to see in the world. All ideas begin with a conversation, first with yourself and then with others. So we welcome your voice. And we ask that you send along any comments, thoughts, or questions. This is Thomas DeShooter, Bloom Living.